Hey, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com. Peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to. Um, you can check out some other services that we have got. Um, but more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, you can connect to us, connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure. We give thanks to you. Every life and heart stretches toward you, O name untroubled, honored with the name of God, praised with the name of the Father. To everyone and everything comes the kindness of the Father in love and desire. And if there is a sweet and simple teaching, it gifts us mind, word, and knowledge. Mind that we may understand you, word that we may interpret you, knowledge that we may know you. We rejoice and are enlightened by your knowledge. We rejoice that you have taught us about yourself. We rejoice that in the body you have made us divine through your knowledge. The thanksgiving of the human who reaches you is this alone, that we know you. We have known you, O light of mind. O light of life, we have known you. O womb of all that grows, we have known you. O womb pregnant with the nature of the Father, we have known you. O never-ending endurance of the Father who gives birth, so we worship your goodness. One wish we ask. We wish to be protected in knowledge. One protection we desire, that we not stumble in life. And when they said these things in prayer, they welcomed one another. so good to have all of you with us. So welcome Hope Community family, extended family, friends, those who just tuned in. We thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And uh, if you haven't, uh, please go ahead and share this video. Uh, get it out there. Uh, put it on your page. You can message it to all your friends and your family and those that you know, might meet a might need a good old dose of hope today. Um, share it with them, and let's get the message of hope out there as far as we can. Uh, we are in uh, our summer adventure through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, our heart is that the good news that is shared here in Luke would ignite in our hearts, and we would see that we can use it in real world scenarios. Uh, that um, the gospel, the good news, is not just a pipe dream, but it has uh, answers, it has hope, it has life, it has love, it has change, uh, not only for ourselves, but it has change in all our scenarios that we are connected with if uh, we open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Uh, we've made it all the way to chapter 5 and 6. That's what we were supposed to be reading this past week. We're going to 
check into a couple sections. Uh, we're not going to do the whole thing, uh, but we are going to hit a couple sections uh, just so uh, we can see some really awesome stuff happening here. All right, so we're going to start in the beginning of chapter 5, starting with verse 1. We'll be reading from the message translation. It says, Oh, when he was standing on the shore of Lake Gunnerset, the crowd was pushing in on him uh, to better hear what he was saying. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen uh, had just left them and were out scrubbing the nets. He climbed into one of the boats that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little far from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. And when he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into the deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets uh, past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they filled the boats nearly, swamping them with the catch. Simon Peter, when he saw it, fell to his knees before Jesus. Master, leave. I'm a sinner. I can't and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. And when they pulled pulled in that catch of fish, all overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. It was at this. It was at. It was. It was the same with James and John, Zebedee's sons, co-workers with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, "There is nothing to fear. From now on, you'll be fishing for men and women." They pulled their boats up on the beach and left them, nets and all, and followed Jesus. So, here's this picture. Um, the crowds are surrounding Jesus, uh, and to the point to where he's overwhelmed, and they he, they really can't hear what he has to say because they're right up on him. So he goes out on the water a little bit in a boat, which water's a natural amplifier, uh, and starts teaching, and everyone's able to hear him more. And so when he finishes, he looks at Simon and says, "Take your boat out a little further and throw in your net." Well. Simon Peter and the rest of his buds have been fishing all night. And here's the interesting thing that you need to know about fishermen at the time. And I really love the the series that we're going to watch in July. Um, the Chosen really kind of brings this out. Uh, but the fishermen at that time, uh, they not only were fishing for the livelihood of their family. Uh, this wasn't a recreational. This was a business. And so um, they were heavily taxed by the Romans. Okay, Not only were they taxed by the Romans, but they also had to have... Let's just say offering was mandatory back then, and so there was kind of like a tax from the church. And so they had to have all these things, and they had to have that money. And if they didn't have that money, they were in a lot of trouble. And so you can kind of see the frustration in Peter because he's like, we've been fishing all night. We're tired. Um, But, you know, if you say so, we'll do it. And so they cast their nets, and as soon as it hits, there's this super abundant amount of fish that rolls in. And so... Simon is so amazed that there's there's more to the story than just um, he's amazed by this. There obviously was something going on in Peter's life, okay? Because when he sees all this fish, he, he recognizes not only do I have a lot of fish and we're going to be able to sell these and make money, but there's something going on to where he's like, there's a relief. There's like, oh my goodness. And like, this is way too good to happen to me because I'm not worthy of any of this. And so... You know, Simon's amazed. He's he's asking Jesus to leave him alone because he's a sinner. Uh, you got the sons of Zebedee there. They're amazed. They're in shock. And then Jesus looks at Simon and says, there's nothing 
to fear. And this is the beautiful thing about this moment because Jesus looks beyond how Peter sees himself, looks beyond how Peter is seen by other people. I'm sure a lot of folks had a lot of things to say about Simon Peter. Uh, he's a fisherman. Uh, uh, he could have owed taxes. He could have, there, there's a lot of things in this just from the response that Peter gives to let you know that Peter had a very low picture of himself. And obviously there were some other people saying some things as well because his first response when seeing all this is, please leave me alone, I'm just a sinner. I'm not worthy of your presence. But Jesus looks through all that garbage and gets right to the heart of Peter and says, don't fear, from now on you'll be fishers of men and women or you'll be who the Father says that you really are. And what happens? They left everything. They left everything. Jesus shared with Peter his true identity, and Peter's response was, I'll go everywhere you want to go. I'll follow you anywhere. It's the amazing thing happens when you find out who you really are. You'll step into new things. You'll step into greater things. You'll step into who you really are. There's no fear in the real you, because Jesus shows you that, right? So let's keep digging, all right? Um, here's this next section. Um, it's verse 12. One day in one of the villages, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down before him in prayer and said, if you want to, you can cleanse me. And I love, love, love this past, what, what Jesus says in response. Um, Jesus put out his hand, touched him, and said, I want to be clean. Then and there his skin was smooth and the leprosy was gone. Jesus made himself available. There was, there was no uh, holding back. There was no, I'm not going to get away from me. It was immediately reaching out and touching his hand. I want to meet you right where you're at. And so for this man who had leprosy to maybe something that's happening right now in your life, you're watching this from, from wherever, uh, and, and you feel like almost like a leper, almost on the outside, almost like an outcast, almost like there's um, just no way uh, that the Father could love me, or there's just no way that I could ever find stability. Know this, that Jesus in this moment not only is looking at you, but he's reaching out and grabbing hold of your hand, so to speak, and say, hey, listen. I want to see you whole. I want to see you healed. I want to see you uh, find who you really are, your true identity. Um, but man, let's, let's, let's go to this next section. Uh, this is verse uh, 17. It says, one day, and this is, and this is one of my favorite uh, stories of Jesus is this one here. Uh, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and religion teachers were sitting around and they had come from nearly every village in Galilee and Judea, even as far as Jerusalem to be there. The healing power of God was on him and some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a stretcher and they were looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. And when they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and removed some of the tiles and let him down in the middle of everyone right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, this is so good, friend, I forgive your sins. That set the religious scholars and Pharisees buzzing. What does he think he is? Or who does he think he is? 
the blasphem that bla- that's blasphemous talk. God and only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew exactly what they were t- thinking and said, "Why all this gossipy whispering?" Which is simpler to say, "I forgive your sins," or to say, "Get up and start walking." Well, just so it's clear that I am the Son of Man and authorized to do either or both. He now spoke directly to the paraplegic. Get up, take up your bedroll, and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it. He got up, took his blanket, and left for home, giving glory to God all the way. And the people rubbed their eyes, incredulous, and then also gave glory to God. Awestruck, they said, we've never seen anything like that. We've never seen anything like that. Check this out, all right? Here's this paraplegic he's lowered before jesus and the first thing that he says is friend friend and that is the heartbeat and the uh first response from the father jesus only did right and only said and only related the way the father does and so from this interaction we can know we can know that the first greeting, so to speak, or the first salutation, or whatever. The first response from the Father is always friend, and it's followed by, I forgive you. It's so good. If uh, we can look in um, the mirror translation uh, of, of Luke, and, you know, in verse 19 it says, Uh, Then, having no alternative, they got onto the roof and proceeded to break the roof open by taking the tiles off and then lowering him down on his bed to exactly where Jesus was. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, "Your, your sins are forgiven. And there's this note here, and and it's so awesome. It says, oh, wow. (laughs) This is Francois Dutois' little note after this verse. Oh, wow. He just pulled the religious rug out from under their favorite philosophy's feet. This is speaking of the religious leaders. Suddenly, the Pharisees and law professors felt very vulnerable. Their entire leverage over the people, their entire leverage over the people is sin consciousness. Sin consciousness was their currency, right? Remember Simon Peter earlier? His first response is, I'm a sinner, right? Who was teaching Peter that he was a sinner and not worthy to hear who he really was? the religious leaders of the day because that was their currency that's how they made their money that's how they got their stuff that's how they felt important they made everyone else feel bad okay that's what they did with the law they turned it into something that they could use squeeze twist just like the romans were with taxes the religious leaders at the time were using sin consciousness to twist and tie up and control people to the point that they were giving money, they were giving time, they were giving stuff, all of it. It was the way they were controlling people. And when Jesus shows up and says, I'm freely going to forgive, there's nothing that you need to do, you don't have to pay anything, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to uh, go through any rigmarole to get it, I just freely forgive you, friend. That ticked them off, and so they immediately started making crazy accusations that Jesus was a heretic, that Jesus was blasphemous. Man, doesn't that sound familiar when you start talking about the free grace of God to 
other people, when you start talking to other people about how Jesus freely forgives and how he loves folks and, and how he doesn't see them less than, but he sees them created in the image of God. And when you start talking about those things and you start sharing those things and you start seeing reactions and people actually being touched by the Father, who is the ones that get ticked off? The religious folks, right? Oh no, you got to come do this. You got to come do that. I remember back when I was a teenager, there was a funny thing, um, you know, uh, where we would say that some folks felt like uh, we had to give people a bath before they came to church, right? You had to take a shower before you got a shower. <laughs> you had to somehow do something and 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 somehow do like a pre-forgiveness thing before you got Jesus. And, G- and that's not how it is. Jesus is like, no, listen, I freely forgive you. There's no rigmarole. There's nothing. And so the religious leaders got ticked off. It's right after this that Jesus sees Levi or Matthew. Okay? And what does he say to them? This is verse 27 and 28. He says, come along with me. And he did. He walked away from everything and went with them. And the place where... Matthew is collecting taxes is there in that that city port, okay? And there was a whole lot of money coming in because there was fishermen. This is where Simon Peter used to take his fish. He had to take his fish there and he had to pay his taxes, all right? This is a whole lot of money happening here. And Levi was the dude in this port city. And Jesus looked at him and called him by name and said, come and follow me. And Levi left everything. And then there's this moment where... Uh, Jesus is uh, with Matthew and Matthew's friends, and they're hanging out, and the, the religious leaders are mad again, and they go to Jesus' disciples and says, what is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? And Jesus hears this and says, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I am here, this is verse 31, I am here inviting others, not insiders, Uh, But outsiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Changed life. He's here to introduce Zoe to everyone. Okay? In the the, um, mirror translations, it says, Yet you continue to reason that you are so familiar with old mindsets that you have no appetite for the new. I'm sorry, that's later on in his description. I I got ahead of myself because I'm so excited. He, he says this to his um, to these uh, Pharisees and religious leaders about how he came not for the insiders, but the outsiders. And it, it's at this point that these same religious leaders ask him about John's disciples um, because they keep fast and they say prayers. Um, but... They accuse Jesus of spending more time uh, with sinners and at parties. And so Jesus responds this way. He says, when you're celebrating a wedding, you don't skimp on the cake and the wine. You feast. I love that. He says, listen, um, when there's a wedding, when there's a party, you don't, you, you don't fast, but you feast. Uh, later, uh, you, you may need to pull in your belt, but this isn't the time. As long as the bride and the groom are with you, you have a good time when the groom is gone the fasting can begin and and no one throws cold water on a friendly bonfire this is kingdom come he's describing what it is he remember he said kingdom is coming it's here it's happening right 
There's a moment that was for fasting and prayer, and that was when Jesus was crucified, and then he was in the tomb, but then he rose from the dead, and so the party reignites, and so the party's here. This is kingdom come. You feast, okay? Um, And then he tries to tell them, he's like, listen, this is kind of what... Uh, you guys are trying to do, and it's these famous passages. He says, "No one cuts up fine silks, a fine silk scarf, to patch old work clothes. You want fabrics that match, and you don't put wine in old cracked bottles. You get strong, clean bottles for your fresh vintage wine. And no one who has ever tasted fine aged wine prefers unaged wine." In other words, he's saying, listen, an old fabricated system cannot hold the organic kingdom that is here. And so it's in this one, is this is where the mirror translation comes in really good when it talks about old wide skins and new wine skins. Uh, the way Dutrois uh, translates it, he says, Yet you can try you continue to reason that you are so familiar with old mindsets that you have no appetite for the new. What was the old mindset? The old mindset was to continue in the same lie that the accuser brought all the way back at the garden. Do you remember that? The the mindset that was there at the garden was, um, you're not really created in the image of God. That's not who you really are. That's not you. You're different. You're different. And so there was this exchange of mindsets there at the beginning. And the, the mindset of having to do all this work to achieve and to get. Where Jesus, when he would come and walk in the garden, it was just relationship. You have it. You're already in his image. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. To fix the image, you're already created in it. And then the accuser came, the serpent came, and what happened? They chose a lesser version of the image. They tried to create an image in their own, okay? And that's why they were ashamed. That's why they tried to cover up, all right? This same thing is the fight throughout uh, the stories that you see in the Old Testament. You even get to the point where um, this is this is great, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to belabor too long, but uh, just just kind of follow this thread, okay? Um, when Jesus was baptized, okay, he was baptized in the Jordan, and the place that he was baptized at, where John was, was called the crossing, okay? That's important because all the way back in the beginning of the first five books, there's a story of Israel coming out of the wilderness and they come to the Jordan and they're going to cross over into the promised land. Or in other words, they're going to come out of an old mindset into the promised identity of who they really are. Okay, and so the place of the crossing is where uh, there was that miracle, and they they marched the Ark of the Covenant down into the water. The water stops, and then everyone crosses over, and then they take twelve stones 
from listen they take the 12 stones from the Jordan River and they and they they mark that area the crossing and those 12 stones were a reminder that God was bringing them to a place of the promised land or a place of their promised identity who they really are and so now we have Thousands of years later, you've got Jesus at this same place. And those same 12 stones are still there because John, if you remember, before Jesus is baptized, he says, this is so awesome, he calls the religious leaders brood of vipers. Brood of vipers. What does that sound like? The snake that was in the garden that brought the accusation, that brought up this secondary mindset, this secondary identity, the the trying to show that this isn't who you really are, but you got to do all this stuff to gain this true identity, which is hogwash, right? But that's what they were peddling in. They were peddling in that fake broken mindset. <laughs> that's why they were so ticked off at Jesus because he was freely forgiving and he was hanging out with sinners and he was showing them who they really are. And the religious leaders, these brood of vipers were like, uh-uh, you can't do that. They got to do all this stuff. And Jesus is like, no, they don't. These are my friends. They're created in the image of my Father. So check this. It's at the place of the crossing where even John at one point when he, he looks and calls them brood of vipers, he even says, I'm going to take these stones and, and what's he going to do? I'll create a whole new children of Abraham. It's this place of, of, it's the place where identity was shown. He was saying, this, this is the crossing. We're, Jesus, right? He says, there's one coming, right? That's going to release, that's going to show us what the true identity is. And it, it's so interesting that it happens right there at the crossing. What happens? Jesus shows up. He's baptized. Oh, Holy Spirit falls. There's this moment. And what does the Father say? This is my Son in whom who I'm well pleased. Okay? So this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the, the stamp. This is the, the, the Father showing his pleasure that, that Jesus is what he's about to do. And it's so interesting because not only is this a moment for Jesus and a stamp on his identity and what he's doing in his mission here in this moment, but it's also because Jesus is the mirror of us. It's God echoing and saying, I am well pleased in you. It's a repeat of what he said all the way back in Genesis when he said, this is good. So here we have in this moment, Jesus, Jesus is addressing the brood of vipers and saying, listen, you guys have been peddling the lie of the snake for way too long. And it's over. It's over. Man, there's so much good stuff here. Um, when we get into chapter six, and, and this is where we're going to end. Uh, there's, I, I really, if you haven't got to read five and six, six you need to go back and read. Uh, but I, I wanted to call attention to this, and this is the last thing we're going to talk about. Okay, um, and in in verse twelve of chapter six, it says at. At about that same time, he climbed a mountain to pray, and he was there all night in prayer before God. 
The next day, he summoned his disciples, and from them, he selected 12 he designated as apostles. And we're just going to read these, okay? Simon, who he named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, okay? And the reason why I'm reading those 12 is, is because there was more than just 12, and the significance of these 12 disciples parallels to those 12 stones that were there uh, at the crossing, the place where Jesus was baptized. It's also there all the way back to um, uh, where um, the Israel crossed over into the promised land. These 12 stones are a representation of this, this new identity that Christ was going to uh, open up to the world. But what we tend to do is, is we don't recognize the symbolism and we just tend to think that Jesus had 12 men disciples. But it's beyond that. These 12 disciples represented these 12 stones, which were representing the 12 tribes, which was really honestly representing the entire world. Okay? And there's a whole lot of symbolism in the number 12 and all that. Um, but it's beyond that. It's beyond just 12 men. Okay? Because we forget, and this is what I love about the Gospel of Luke, we forget that not only were these, these 12 guys that were following him, but there were also several others, but there were also Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, Mary, and Martha. There were ladies following Jesus as well. Okay? So let's not get hung up. Well, as we read through the rest of this, let's not get hung up on, well, he just had 12 disciples. No, th this is symbolic. And it's symbolic of the identity that Jesus was trying to uh, share with and show uh, the entire world. Okay? Uh, we get hung up and we, well, they're, 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 you can only have male leaders and all this stuff. And that's all hogwash. <laughs> because that's not what this moment is about. This moment is the announcement of that there's true identity, new identity. And there's a, there's a shift in structure happening from a brood of viper structure to true identity, image of the father structure. We're shifting from a system to a family. Okay? And so that's why these 12 names are brought up. Alright? It's it's not because these this is the only way leadership can roll. No, that, that's not what this is about. Because, to be honest with you, Joanna and Susanna were the ones that were paying for uh, the disciples and all the followers to travel from town to town. They were major leaders in the ministry of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, if you read more about her, uh, you'll find out that she was the first apostle, uh, that she did a ton of awesome things and uh, has a huge contribution to the early church. But for some reason, it's left out. I wonder why. Um, but for some reason, it's left out. But that history is there if you do a little digging. Um, uh, of course, we know the stories of Mary and Martha, but they played a huge part in the life of Jesus as well. It's where, where did Jesus always go uh, to rest? Where did he always go uh, before major events happened in his life and major events happened uh, in his ministry? He hung out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. That was a hub for him to hang out. So when you read in context the buildup in the story before you get to the twelve. Right? The announcement of the 12. And you see what Jesus is doing and he's trying to pinpoint and show 
the difference between these two different mindsets, the mindset of the viper, the brood of vipers, the, the broken mindset that he has come to, to address and fix and show who we really are, to the mindset of a family, to new identity. And so that number 12 is important because it casts back to those 12 stones that were standing outside right next to the place where Jesus was baptized and the father said, uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's the, Jesus in this moment is the representation of all humanity and it's a reflection to what the father is actually saying to us. This is our identity. This is who we really are. That the Father is pleased with us. We are valuable beyond measure and he loves us. That's what's being brought out here. And it's so awesome. So hopefully you will continue to dive into Luke. I'm telling you, man, think about that. Think about the good news that is in that moment from just those passages that we just read. We don't have to be a part of this brood of viper mentality where our mindset is broken. We have to, to, we have to do all this stuff to gain Father's favor. That's broken, right? What we really have is the mindset of the Father which says that He loves us and He approves of us. He's pleased with us. He loves us. Man, think of how many people... How many neighbors you have right now that think that they have to do something to gain, not only your favor, but to gain the creator of the universe's favor. And the good news to them is you don't have to do anything to gain his favor. He already loves you. That's good stuff right there. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Um, If you haven't uh, liked the video, please go ahead and do so. Um, maybe share this later with some of your friends. Um, continue with us as we read through the Gospel of Luke. This upcoming uh, week, we're reading uh, chapters um, 7 and 8. And so we'll have a good time with that. Don't get behind. Stay with us. So, hey, let's talk about July the 5th for a second, okay? Um, we're going to get together. It's going to be a family gathering. Uh, I will be... Uh, setting up some guidelines uh, that we'll post later today on Facebook so you can see them. Uh, But it's going to be different. We are meeting at 1130. Uh, We're asking that you bring food for you and your family. We'll have tables set up for uh, families to sit at, and we're asking you to stick to those tables. Um, But we'll have some guidelines and some social distancing thing, and all that will be posted later today so you can see it. Uh, We're also going to have a link for RSVP so we can know who's all coming so we can set up the right amount of tables. Uh, But it's going to be a good time. We're going to be talking about some exciting things for the future. Um, There's some things that have shifted and changed in the uh, just in this season, and there's opportunities for us to do greater, more uh, hope-filled things in this season, even though it's been crazy and nuts. And, and, you know, if you're like me, sometimes you're like, what in the world? Um, But in the midst of all of that, the Father is doing awesome work in people's hearts and opportunities have opened. And uh, I I really think we have, um, we are in a position to do some amazing things in this next season for Hope Community Church. So I'm asking that you come. 
bring some food for you and your family. Uh, stick to the guidelines that we're going to post. Uh, we're going to be safe. And I, I also want you to know if, if you can't make it on the 5th, if you uh, feel like you know you just want to keep your distance and that, hey, listen, no shame in that. Trust me, there's no shame. It, it's been a struggle to even try to think about coming up with this moment in July. It, we just want to keep people safe and... Um, so just know that this decision is, is, is not made lightly. It's just wanting to get together to see everyone. Um, so if you can't make it, that's fine. We are going to live stream it, so you'll be able to connect that way, and we'll have folks there watching so you can, uh, you can communicate, uh, prayer requests, just like normal. Prayer requests, you want to comment, all that. We, we're going to post that. We'll read them. Uh, we're just going to continue to connect as a family and always. So uh, so if that's you and you're like, man, I, I just I don't want to bring my family. Listen, no shame. That's fine. Connect with us online still. It'll be good, all right? So uh, I, I hope you guys connect one way or the other and have a good time with us. But uh, it's, go it, it's going to be good, and I can't wait to, to share some of these uh, ideas and opportunities that we have for the future. It's it, it's it's yeah it's gonna be good all right i'm excited so thank you guys for tuning in today uh don't forget wednesday night life at seven o'clock on facebook live uh we'll be hanging out and next sunday july 5th it's gonna be awesome come and hang out with us 11 30 a.m one more time 11 30 a.m Bring your own food. Don't forget the guidelines that we'll post later on today. And if you could, if you know someone that's not on Facebook that connects with Hope Community, uh, pass those guidelines on to them and spread the word that we're doing that. And maybe you can RSVP for them so we know that they're coming. All right? Thank you, guys. See you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock for Wednesday Night Live. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, check out our webpage. It's wearehopecommunity.com. Peruse some of the things that we got going on there. There's a blog, some more media. Um, there's a place to give if you would like to. Um, you can check out some other services that we have got. Um, but more importantly, we'd love to hear from you. And there's a place where you can just write a question, shoot us an email, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram. Uh, you can connect to us, connect with us through those as well. But thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember that you are valuable beyond measure.